This is Financially Covered with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, a podcast for insurance agency owners, their money, and their profits. Today, we're really excited to have Gordon Short uh, on, the, on the podcast, and we're going to talk about some pretty cool and interesting programs that uh, work for some uh, higher net worth people and high income uh, people and business owners. So, hey, Gordon, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and then tell me about your company, please. Sure, David. Uh, great to see you again. Great to be here, and thanks for having me. Um, so I am, a re- I always have to say I'm a recovering tax accountant and tax attorney. Um, you know, I went through accounting undergrad, you know, um, became an accountant at a public accounting firm and then went back to law school at night. Some might say glutton for punishment, but uh, I landed after 20 years in public accounting at GBX uh, based in Cleveland, Ohio, which is a unique firm. Uh, not many in the country do what we do where we have uh, kind of married uh, tax expertise in real estate uh, uh, investing to create a a unique little program to help high income individuals uh, basically use their tax liability to fund a real estate investment. We were founded in 2001 by uh, Andrew Sparacia, who like myself is also a recovering tax attorney. We both worked at Ernst & Young prior to joining, prior prior to him starting GBX and prior to me joining GBX, we're both EY guys as well. And for the past about uh, 10, 12 years or so, we have been able to uh, marry a unique part of the tax law uh, with real estate investing to provide uh, say unique in, a unique program for individuals use their federal income tax liability to fund a real estate investment. Amen. Well, anytime there's a, a, a way to potentially lower tax liability, I think that gets a lot of, uh, a lot of people's attentions for sure. So, so historic preservation easement programs, I mean, what the heck does that mean and how does that benefit? And, and, Talk to me about that, because that uh, sounds like there's just a lot of huge benefits for the right person. No, correct. And it's a very uh, unique program. And I'll just give you a quick uh, historical uh, background. So back in uh, 1976, obviously the 200th anniversary of the founding of the United States, Congress realized that uh, we were not preserving our American history. You can go to Europe and you see these beautiful buildings and castles that are a thousand years old. Here we get close to 50, we tear it down and we build new. So Congress created a couple different programs, one of them being the Historic Preservation Easement Program that allows you to protect a building in perpetuity. But what Congress realizes that to do that and to give that incentive to an owner of a historic building to save it, there need to be uh, some type of tax incentive, economic incentive of that owner, because realistically, it's just too expensive to maintain these old buildings uh, and rehab them. It's either it's cheaper to tear them down turn them in the parking lots or let them so what, sit What's the definition of an old building per se? I mean, what, what, what types of buildings are you talking about? Sure, no, great question. So Congress has made that a very, uh, very easy term. Basically, any building that is over 50 years old in the United States could be considered historic. If the National Park Service certifies that it is, uh, you know, it, it has, um, uh, what's the term for it? It has the, um, it, it contributes to American history. And, or if it's less than 50 years old, if something significant in history happened there, it can also be put in the National Register. So the National Park Service has the final say in what is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. And are there any, so, any value requirements? Do they have to be worth a certain amount of money or could they be smaller properties? 
Nope, they can be smaller properties. They can be individual homes, actually. Now, we don't work with individual homes, but they can be individual houses can be considered historic. If, you know, the, for example, the house where uh, Grant Lee signed the surrender for the Civil War, that house is on the National Register of Historic Places. So it can be as small as a house and as large as a, you know, a 110-story building if, if necessary. Okay, okay. So I certainly don't have the knowledge to go out and, and invest in, in historical homes and, and buildings. So where do you come into play and how does, how does that help me? So what GBX does, we identify every year, you know, 10 to 12 of these historic properties across the country that need rehabilitation that can, that can be turned into functioning and useful properties, whether it be a hotel, you know, condos, office space, all in downtown urban areas. And again, going back to that tax incentive I talked about, what Congress did to create the incentive was uh, by preserving that building in, his, in perpetuity, you have given up essentially future development rights, which means you can't develop above or beside that building. You can't utilize the air rights. Well, there's a lost value to that. And that lost value becomes a tax benefit to the owner of the historic building because he or she gives that right away to a local not-for-profit uh, that ensures that it can preserve the historic preservation in accordance with the National Park Service. So that becomes a non-cash charitable tax benefit to the owner of the building. Now, this is where GBX steps in and helps our investors. We create a fund. The capital we raise for our investors, they invest a dollar. We, we invest in these historic buildings, but the benefit flowing back to them is about two and a half times their, their dollar invested. So for every dollar they invest, they can get up to a $2.50 non-cash charitable tax deduction per the Internal Revenue Code. That's the incentive that Congress gave um, to preserve these buildings in perpetuity. And with that, then somebody who's in a high income tax bracket, essentially put a dollar in, they get a dollar back on their taxes, but now they're invested in a fund that has invested in, let's say, 10 underlying historic properties that are gonna be rehabbed, that generate cash flows, that generate rental income, et cetera. So essentially a high income individual, their tax liability has now paid for the real estate investment. All perfectly legal, all done under the Internal Revenue Code with this historic preservation easement program as Congress intended to preserve American history going forward. So what type of a person, you know, income-wise or net worth-wise, would this be appropriate for? I, I, I don't think you're talking about someone who has $50 a month to put into a Roth IRA is, is 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 your is your, is your target? So, who's the right person for this, or potentially? No, great question. You're right. This is going to be for, uh, and it's really, you know, we always say at GBX, we don't we don't care about somebody's net worth. It's what they're earning in the year. So, somebody that's probably making, you know, six hundred thousand or more in ordinary income, because again, this is a tax play. So, you're going to be in that high income tax bracket at ordinary tax rates. Um, so, somebody making, you know, let's say six hundred thousand or more ordinary income in a given year would be a great candidate to potentially look at this as a, not only a tax benefit, but also as a real estate investment as well. Okay. So if we break down those numbers, I mean, just talking real ballparks, you know, if, if that $600,000 earner, um, you know, let's say they did $100,000 towards a GBX fund. I mean, what does that mean to them as far as tax savings, tax deductions? And again, we're talking round numbers and we're not their CPA. So it gets a little bit right. more complicated. Right. So let's keep it simple. A $100,000 investment at that two and a half times ratio would generate a 250000 non-cash charitable tax deduction, which again, by the 37% tax rate, gets them about $0.92 cents back on the dollar. 
And if they live in a state that recognizes those charitable deductions, they could recognize even more benefit on the state side. So generally, sometimes that actually equates to sometimes somebody puts a dollar in, make it more than a dollar back combined federal and state benefit. But now, $100,000 would have been just written as a check to the government to pay taxes anyway, right? So it's not like you're you're spending more than $100,000. Instead of going to Uncle Sam, it's going to GBX. Is that is that fair and accurate? Correct. Because, hey, you can pay your taxes. You write your $100,000 check to the IRS, and you're done. No return on that money, but you've paid your taxes. Here, and actually, you know, here you're going to write a $100,000 check get that $100,000 back in year one because it's like you prepaid your tax, but now you have the real estate on top of that. And over a five-year span, you can generate another um, a $50,000 return on that money. So again, you, and that's in the form of cash distributions, the real estate losses flowing up, and then your exit when, you know, when these buildings, when you exit the fund, there's obviously a liquidation event as well. So if you're looking at potentially taking your $100,000 tax liability and turning it into you know, a $50,000 gain. Wow. Yeah, no, that, uh, so is this a complicated, um, uh, what, what would a process be for someone to kind of learn more and, and potentially get involved? Sure. So, I mean, we keep it simple for our investors. In GBX, and we, we have 65 people across the country that, you know, that work at GBX um, that do all the heavy lifting of this. For our investors, pretty simple. They invest into the GBX fund for that year. They write one check. Uh, they're in, they'll get one K1 out. Now the fund will invest in those underlying properties. They get one K1 with details, all this information. And then every fourth quarter, every year after they'll get their distribution check. So really from a, from an investor standpoint, it's a pretty easy process. Now there are some rules that we'd have to work with their financial advisor on. It's a private placement. So you have to be at least an accredited investor. Um, you have to, um, have to fill subscription documents out which is all easy and online. But once that's done, your check is in, you're in the fund. And then when, when you go to file your tax return in the following year, we provide you with that K-1 to give your to your uh, tax accountant. And those deductions are all right there, ready to be utilized by those investors. So for me to play devil's advocate and, and um, just throw you the question that you might've heard before. So you're telling me, instead of giving $100,000 to the government, I can buy $100,000 into the GBX fund um, in essence, have that um, uh, deduction cover the $100,000 investment, plus I can make money off of it over the next few years. How is that not too good to be true? Because it's certainly <laughs> a good deal. No, and I get that all the time. This sounds too good to be true. And you know what? It, it does at first. But again, there's a lot of I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed. I mean, this is a, a complicated program. Uh, there's lots of rules and regulations. GBX does all that heavy lifting. But if done properly, um, you know, if you do have a building that's certified by the National Park Service, if you do the correct appraisals, uh, if you ensure those values are, you know, reasonable and not far-fetched, then the program works as Congress intended. I mean, again, this is a tax incentive, much like, you know, in the tax code, much like more home mortgage interest deduction is an incentive for people to buy houses. Charitable giving is an incentive in the code, you know, uh, uh, to encourage people to give to charities. This is another way for people to preserve historic buildings. It's a, it's a little different, it's a bigger scale, but if utilized properly, the program does work. And we encourage all of our investors, we always work with our tax accountants, because you have to ensure it works for that individual investor. Uh, Would you specifically personally speak with a, a, a client's accountant? Oh, ab absolutely. Because we have a lot of times where people say, I think this will work for me, and then you talk to CPA, you find out, well, they only have capital gain income, so the numbers don't work. 
or you find out they've already maxed out their charitable bucket for the year. So we always have to ensure we talk to the tax accountant along with the financial advisor to ensure that the benefits, if the client invests, they get that benefit in the year they invest. Because we do a new fund every year because it always accrues to the tax year. So every year is another set of buildings and another fund. So you want to make sure you capture those benefits in the year you invest. Okay. Wow. No. So um, what happens year 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 two? So year one, I've made the investments and I've gotten the tax deduction. Um, year two um, and so on. And and at what point could I sell out my my investment into the fund? And, and just talk to me on how that would work. Sure. So it's a minimum five-year hold. So year two, you'll get your K-1 that shows your share of the rental income losses from the properties um, along with a cash distribution um, for that year. And you'll get that for, you know, four more consecutive years. And then in year, uh, end of year five, beginning of year six, you have the option to sell your interest back to the fund at the then fair market value of it or continue on because this is real estate and those buildings will continue to operate and function. And then every other year have the option to exit. So uh, depending on how well GBX has met certain targets, your buyout could be you know, significant at the end of that to ensure you're made whole to at least $1.50 of return for every dollar invested. Wow. Okay. I mean, that, and I guess, you know, if there is a catch, the, the catch would be that you have to be a, a, a relatively high, high earner and, and qualify for it. Um, it doesn't, Correct. it doesn't work, uh, doesn't work for, uh, for everybody. Correct. So, exactly. So. And, and we've had success. So we've been doing ease, the historic preservation easement program now for, uh, it'll be, this will be the, since 2007. So for 13 years now, uh, and you know, we've always, we've had no trouble finding properties and in delivering that return uh, to our investors. And do the, do the, have the tax laws changed um, to where the, um, the, the deduction ratio has, has differed or has it been relatively the same over time? So um, well, the tax laws have changed a couple ways. One, rates have changed. You know, back uh, early on in this program, when we started using the program, rates were 35%, so the returns weren't as great, so ratios were higher. Then we got up to, uh, for a while there, the 39.6 top tax bracket. So the ratio is about lower. And then um, now we're around 37%. So that ratio, you know, fluctuates sometimes year to year, depending on tax rates, um, what is going on, uh, you know, in the tax world. So in the real estate world. So, uh, but generally now the, the IRS has issued some new rules to keep it around that two and a half level. Uh, it's kind of like the, the, the line that the IRS uh, has used uh, for these programs. Okay. Well, great. Well, that's awesome. Well, Gordon, this has just kind of been a, a quick overview and, and with this being a pretty complicated product and, and, and scenario that doesn't work for everybody, I really wanted to have a, just a general conversation with you. And if this interests anybody, uh, would love for them to email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And we can have a conversation uh, Gordon, I'm sure would 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 uh, be glad to jump on a um, jump on a, a conference call and 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 see if this is right for you. This holds tremendous benefits for the right person. So, um, is there anything uh, anything else you'd like to add? Any success stories or anything like that, Gordon? Uh, the neat thing about the program is not only is there tax benefits, but you really get to save and preserve some really cool buildings, and they're spread out across the country. So, you know, uh, you might see a building, you know 
in your hometown that it might be worth preserving. And without the historic easement program, that you know, does it make sense to do it? We provide that capital. So you really see some unique and cool buildings um, around the country. And just a quick example is this year or last year's fund invested in the birthplace of jazz in New Orleans and redeveloping an entire block there using this program that would, but for the program would not have happened because they've been trying for 20 years to redevelop the birthplace of jazz. So those are some of the things you do. Not only is there a tax benefit, but it really does accomplish real uh, preservation and provide real economic results at the end of the day uh, in these urban cities. So, so does these know which, which, which build, I mean, do you get a listing of your buildings or? Oh, absolutely. Once the fund closes, our investors will know what the fund invested for that year. So they can track the progress of those buildings and, you know, go visit them. Sometimes they might be in their own hometown. So we're always looking for new projects as well, but absolutely they'll have a listing of those buildings and every year get an update on how they're doing. And when is your next offering? Cause it sounds like this is not a, um, this is not a perpetual program. It, you, do you have a, an offering coming out roughly once a year? Yes, once a year. We open and close in the same year the fund. We'll raise anywhere between 80 and 100 million. So generally, uh, and even for this year, our target date is to open the fund July 1st. And then once we hit our, um, our targeted goal of, of the raise, depending on the properties, we will close. That's generally sometime in you know, early to mid-November the fund closes. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, great. Well, I enjoyed uh, talking about this. And again, anybody who, who um, is interested in learning about uh, his historical preservation uh, easement programs, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. And uh, hey, Gordon, I enjoyed uh, chatting with you and maybe we'll uh, have you on again sometime. That's good. Thanks, David. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Thank you. Good deal. Thanks. So if what we've talked about with Gordon Short for the last 15 minutes or so piques your interest, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. We can do a short conversation and we can get Gordon involved. And we would even get your CPA involved because uh, we don't give tax advice and we always want to make sure that your CPA is on board with any strategy. But really what we do at Parallel Financial is we try to find uh, unique strategies that help put our clients in a better position. So with that being said, email me at david at parallelfinancial.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, and also please like and subscribe so the newest episodes will show up in your uh, newsfeed. Thank you and be blessed.